to Seeing Color, a podcast that talks with cultural workers and artists of color in order to expand the area of what is a predominantly white space in the arts. I'm your host, Ziwon Chung. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. Things are getting a little bit chilly in Zuhai, but otherwise I've been really enjoying it. The weather here is sort of like LA, although a little more damp, so things get a little more soggy towards the end of the day. But otherwise I'm really enjoying it. I didn't quite expect I'd be falling in love with the tropical breeze here. It's been really nice to just walk outside, smell the sea air, smell the breeze as it blows the wind through all the trees here. And I've been kind of unexpecting to associate a place that I live in as tropical as I usually associate these kinds of weathers as places that I visit temporarily. But this past weekend, I traveled to Xi'an and I learned a great deal of Chinese history, also ate a lot of great food. The city has had a long geographic and historic importance. The Silk Road starts there, which obviously contributed to a lot of the city's importance. Geographically, the city is surrounded by mountains, so it also is a major military spot. So a lot of past generals set shop there and made it their home base. In fact, I got to see the Terracotta Army there, which is an 8,000 life-size army recreated to guard the Qin Dynasty's first emperor in the afterlife. It was really massive and beautiful and awe-inspiring, and I temporarily had to rethink what I had to do with my own art. But um, anyway, for today, I'm speaking with Sant Utamashat. Born in Thailand, Sant moved to Berlin in 2014, where he has been rediscovering himself and his essence of Asianness within a European culture. He describes himself as a filmmaker, photographer, artist, poet, writer, club kid, culture enthusiast. Sant also organizes Thai festivals around Berlin, and our circles overlapped during my time there. I got to catch Sant before I left for China, and we talked about navigating cities, K-pop, white queer German filmmakers, and Asian masculinities. I hope you enjoy this. Yeah, the past scene was better, right? Yeah. And it's kind of weird because it's like supposedly we should live in a society that tries to progress itself to the next topic, but um, oh, I mean to the next level. But um, yeah, I think like in the end of the day, like not just the older generation, like a lot of new generation, so-called liberal, so-called like, you know, cool kids who try to support everything. A lot of them also don't want to subject to change. Or let's say they want to stay in a way that they believe it is yeah. and not really subject to change in a way that sort of this world could go. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what is said about, let's say, the the Berlin that claims itself so hard to be like the city yeah, of liberal, like, liberals, of yeah. freedoms and progressivity. <clears throat> And so, yeah, so I would love to just say, you know, go to like Ministry of Tourism or I don't know what, like television <laughs> or something, just spit in the mouth saying that like, stop pretending that this is like, ah, liberté and like, I love Berlin, blah, as, um, <clears throat> yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, ah, oh, whatever. Um, so, yeah, so right now I'm with San Utomoshot, um, and I I forgot where I first met you. Oh, uh, we first where did we met. First meet? We first met in the party, like of the Asian month, like the end of May, where it's like the Asian heritage, Asian diaspora month. Oh where yeah, they yeah. met like a party in Sud Block. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And we were kind of oh, outside, yes, drunk, yes, talk yes. with me and Rosalia and other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's cool, kind of, like, knowing more people and things. Um, My personal story is more in a sense of, like, so, I have been, so I moved here, like, since 2014. But you were originally born in Thailand, right? Yeah, I originally born in Thailand, Bangkok, like, and the, kind of, the urban, suburban part of the city. What was that like? It's called Rangamhang, or, like, Minburi, which is kind of, like, yeah, far away. So, I am used to live 
quite quite far away from you know from the middle town. So in Bangkok, it's gonna take me like two hours to get to my university school. The city is that big. It's now nah, it's big and full of traffic jam. Oh, okay. So it's two hours with usually about traffic jam. But when, without traffic jam, would be around one hour still. Okay. Um, yeah, because like the bus is really slow or something. So like you know, and when I move to Berlin, like um, I never be able. I mean, I was, I never lived in like Neukölln, Kreisberg, and sort of this like you know the real part of Berlin. So, and always live at like wedding, Moabit. Um, oh yeah, um, uh, for international audiences. So, Kreisberg and Neukölln are the parts where, like, let's say the you know the, the artists, new, artists the, arts, used to the cultural in. scene moves around, but yeah. more like the. Like most of them are kind of let's say the free form. Like when when you establish yourself, you're gonna move your art scene to Mitte or Prenzlauberg. That's when you kind of establish. But when you're like beginning, or when you want to start a family, or you want to start a family, or you accidentally fuck someone, or you accidentally feel like you want to get fucked and have a fat baby, then do for it. So yeah, in a way. So basically, yeah, back to things. So oh, yeah. what brought you to Berlin? Why'd you come to Berlin? I. I kind of, I just want to quit Bangkok and I kind of want to restart my life. I have interest in movie making and I know that like Berlin has Berlinale and it's kind of life of living, cost of living is kind of cheap. So it would be kind of, it was, and I, I would say still at this point it's like, you know, you, you still can, you can yeah. be clear that it's not the same with London. Like, yeah. and you, in London, you need three part-time jobs to survive barely. Yeah. And here it's like one part-time kind of get you through the day. Yeah. And, you know, so it's still kind of, yeah. So it's one of these reasons that, that bring people here. And yeah, so I start my film sort of adventure all over here, so like from zero from the point that I... How old were you when you came? Oh, um, what? Um, 22. 22. 22 yeah. So you just finished university. Yeah, so I finished university and then I worked like almost a year in Bangkok and then I'm just having enough of it. And you were... Did you study film in university? No, like it was like, like industrial design. Whoa, wait. <laughs> industrial design. Yeah. Um, but it, it, was a, it was a weird, funny time because I... So basically, I chose that because my family wants me to study something like sort of relate to architecture because basically you know the perceptions of the perception also kind of like like my family is like Chinese immigrants in Thailand and they have this it's not just them but most parents have this sense of like okay you're artist um, or like let's say you're creative but how can you be practical about your job yeah, yeah. and study architecture designer yeah. or something not really designing it's actually like she pointed to architecture oh, for really? me like go to architecture and architecture study. though you don't make any money well you're like in you, kind of in this time in Thailand I think you you could like it's not that like ooh I make money but you can find job it's because it, like I think um, in the case of like you know countries like Thailand or not Japan but uh, Hong Kong or Singapore like it's in the process of especially this these big cities like Bangkok or something is trying hard to modernizing itself and mm. becoming so like the new West yeah. in East Asia and so there are like a lot of requirements for big 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 size buildings just yeah. like bang into the sky. And there are a lot of like the new riches, like the new riches family who just somehow sprung up like mushrooms. Yeah. So let's say the the request for this sort of architectural or whatever big plans are kind of becoming more and more and actually there are more like kind of commissions and things. So maybe it's not related to this place. But it's just it's just weird because like yeah. when you go to the West Europe where you kind of expect that the architecture scene, you know, whatever is actually becoming, it's kind of decreased in the sense of like, there are less commissions work, there's not just money flowing, you yeah. need to go like the real connection, like a super ultra rich family to build some buildings in the forest or something. Yeah. But anyway, so architecture and I fought with them, with my family not to study architecture because I hate it. So I kind of found a middle way that I went to design, industrial design, which is like industrial. So there's a lot of way of like, it's not too artistic. 
And then, yeah, and then I was a really kind of rebellious in during my study. Most of my professors kind of, they got kind of annoyed with my insistent way that I feel like, yeah, I just don't want to make, you know, like sort of this like sort of cheap product that you can make a lot and sell a lot of people. And I always feel like I want to make something like, it sounds pretentious, but I want to make something kind of, memorable you know like you buy but you really you really it's not offering just a design but sort of like offering the stories and I think like what a lot of design objects are missing is like okay there are good design objects too but it still lacks the sense of explicit story of like what went through that process of design and there was this saying that one of my professor told me, and she's like basically the most artistic professor in the faculty, and she told me that like, I think the point that we need to recognize is that like we are now making like, you know, fast product, whatever. But there's this thing called fingerprints that gonna make you a whatever product kind of, it has a new layer to it. Like it adds this touch of being human on it. Like when you, let's say, produce like a ceramic and you leave like your finger mark print on it. And usually it's not needed by the industry, but if you know how to put it there, yeah. you're going to increase a lot of quality. And I think it's applicable actually until nowadays. Like I don't make designs anymore or something, but when I kind of try to make films or try to think about projects, like I kind of metaphorically always try to think about this fingerprints. Yeah. Yeah. Giving your own mark basically. Yeah. You know. Because like people are always copying each other, and so the more specific yeah. you can be about either your experiences or how you make something, the harder it is for someone to copy you. Yeah, that's what I've noticed. Yeah, not not just in a way of copy, but also in a sense of like, like quote unquote imperfection, or quote unquote like you know that like instead of rather to make everything so smooth, you kind of make it less smooth to give you this sense of like behind this camera or behind this whatever making some cultural product there's a real human here who cannot or will not do a perfect smooth production shots or whatever maybe perhaps you've always had this need to always express yourself in some way because it seems like you're doing writing you're doing photography you're doing Mm. films and do you still consider yourself all of them or do you do you see yourself primarily as a filmmaker at this point um I, I kind of, like, it depends, because, like, talking about practicals, like, right now, this year, I don't think I'm gonna be a filmmaker at all, or, like, maybe I try to be at one point, but, like, this year, I'm kind of full-time, like, organizers, okay. but it's, like, project related to, like, Thai communities or Thai people with, like, Thai born in Germany or Thai from Thailand, too, but it doesn't matter, but it's, like, so, I think, like, there, um, there's, there's two things, you know, there, there's one point also that like, maybe I should focus on only one thing and sort of become like the craftsman of that art or something. You don't so have like, to. No, yeah, I mean, I don't have to. And I feel the more that I don't want to do it, but there seems to be this sort of like, you know, very Western, not Western necessarily, but let's say like, you know, the typical way of how people look at artists and they say that like, you know, being like a true artist or something is like you just focus on your shit. You don't compromise. You only do that and trying to make the best out of it or something. And that's kind of what I like try to do. And I realized that like nothing works. Like turns out that like, I think especially for people who are not from, from like a privileged background or something, focusing on just one thing is not going to work. And I feel like, I don't mean that, you know, it's for everybody, but just at least from my experience that like um, yeah. focusing only on my movies and just like, I am just a filmmaker. I'm not doing something else. It's kind of doesn't make things go forward. And yeah. so I slowly try to embrace that. I need to learn photography and I kind of need to learn how to articulate my points in writings or whatever things. Yeah. So it's, this applies to me as well, but, I don't have the resources to hire out these things. So I end up having to do all of them myself anyway. You know? yeah, and then exactly. when I was looking at your films, exactly. you're like producer, you know, DP, writer, script writer. Yeah, exactly. And uh, like, we don't have fucking money. So we have to learn everything. Yeah. And 
what annoys me is that people somehow take us less seriously. Like, I mean, let's say people from the you know industry, film industry, uh. let's say, which is kind of which is kind of weird as fuck. Cause like I just don't understand the logic, but basically. You know, like, cause all of them present with you have like a name card, and yeah. then you have like Mr. Jurgen, uh, director <laughs> assistant, and just that at the number and the email, and I'm like sound producer, director, editor, can do camera too. I can write too, and I also even organizer. And they are like, mm, um, yeah, but what's your specialty? And I'm like. Um, dude, um, I can do everything, basically, like, I won't say I'm, like, the most perfect, I know what is my passion, but I'm not just director assistant, because I don't have enough, sort of, yeah, options to only do that, you know? Yeah. And, but it's, this is actually true, um, a lot of people take us less serious because of mm. that sense, because that we do too many things, that yeah. they think that we are kind of this... And I actually, it's not just with like straight cis, it's also with like, let's say, white queer established filmmakers that I talk with and I, I find it so weird, but although I won't say names, but like, basically I kind of like, you know, want to talk and see how the, the gay German scenes are like kind of, how you call it, trying to change, you know, the, 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 the homophobic side in that system, which is kind of nice. But we had this point that he said that non-German, let's say, international underground filmmakers are a little bit kind of like all over the place. But, but it's all kind of, like all over the place in a bad sort of way. In in a kind of in a way that he he is skeptical mm. if we are hardworking enough mm. to you know to get to that point because he said that like he somehow end up not knowing a lot of trans people who want to make movies and i'm like go to like porn film festival go to like underground film festival there are like hundreds yeah. of them yeah and he said that like yeah i know but i'm skeptical if all of you want to ready to work hard enough mm, to God. get into the industry and i'm like okay so what is this like are you sort of like judging us already because you think that we did we do everything and we are kind of like you know not so diplomatic about it but anyway, this is another topic. So like, I just I just won't stop with my shit. What I feel about the the whole. It's like basically going back to the thing. Also, like you know, I moved to Berlin because of film scene and Berlinale, and it ended up kind of disappoints me a lot. So, because because of what you just described, or yeah, I mean that, and also it's more conservative the, than you thought. It's much more conservative than I thought, and like, and it has this weird position because like, let's say. They say, I mean, most film festivals are already kind of, kind of like white and conservative anyway. But yeah. well, not just film, but everything. Yeah. But like, let's say Berlinale have this weird position of like, let's say when you go to Cannes Festival and you yeah. win some shit or something like that is Cannes Festival. Like, you know, it's shit, but you win something. Yeah, that's something like put it on your CV, you get like a gold stamp. <laughs> yeah. But like in Berlinale, you win something and people kind of like, oh, okay. Um, cool. they, they don't take it seriously. It's, it's serious, but it's like the weight. It's not the same when you yeah. get something at Cannes. Yeah. And, and Berlinale always try to claim itself like, oh, we are progressive. We are trying to have like diversity of films in, from different countries yeah. in their package, which is nice. Um, I know that they're trying really hard to, you know, to be diverse in a way. Germans are trying so hard. <laughs> trying so hard, yeah. <laughs> but I think like... Last thing maybe to remark on Berlinale is that like it has a bad, um, not bad, but like a weird PR. So let's say like I always want to watch movies like from other country, but I just have no idea what it's about or like, you know, like they're just, it's like, it's like they have like, I don't know, like. Like they don't do a good job of describing what you're yeah, watching. Yeah, or like sort of like inviting, like waking up the interest of people. Yeah. It's like you're having like, like 200 dishes from different 200 countries all at once in your room yeah and you don't know which yeah you, dish should you start you get overwhelmed for the choices yeah and but then, also and, uh, and also so like this past year like i was able to check out the, the berlinale but the whole yeah. process also was so complicated to get yeah, a ticket I know. exactly you have to like wake up 
three days before the film that you want to see yeah, is and, and is 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 showing. So if like yeah. the film's on Thursday, you got to wake up what Monday or Tuesday, yeah. and then queue up just to get the ticket. Yeah, and so exactly. you have to keep track of like all the films you want to see, yeah. and then go to a spot to buy yeah, a ticket. Exactly. And it's like, um, but like who has the time? Who has the time? And like, um, I don't have time. I don't have money, bitch. And <laughs> And it's like going up, queuing up, like um, this is Berghain or what? At eight, eight a.m. Yeah, yeah, like Berghain. <laughs> like Berghain for movies, like for God's <laughs> sake. And and yeah, and I don't know, and like especially like you know people like, but anyway, yeah. So um, well, I was looking through your bio, and you yeah. said like you are a honest, humble, but ambitious filmmaker raised in Asian culture, rediscovering himself in European culture. How are you yeah. rediscovering yourself? Through Berlin, why why do you think you need Berlin or Europe to to find yourself? Yeah, I mean, I do need it. Um, like I think, like you realize that you are Asian or I don't know African once you step on white people's land. Mm. And like back in Thailand, like I know that there's always this notion of like propaganda and nationalistic sort of patriotic propaganda around that. Like you know, like be Thai people, be a good. Sort of like like when you go out of Thailand and live somewhere, they're gonna tell you like you know like behave good because you are now like a representation of Thailand or something. Oh uh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, they kind of already put a certain notion of being Thai on me, and that's kind of why I want to leave Thailand because I kind of I hate to like they say be obliged to sort of like serve Thailand or giving something back to Thailand. Also at the same time, just hate this notion of like you know you are Thai and you have to stay like a Thai as well. Is Thailand is very very nationalistic? It's it it is actually like on a very factual level. It's like um like the politics that polarize us just makes things in a very messy way. And you know like in the cinema, there's like the patriotic song of the king. It will be played before the movie starts. Every movie, every movie, oh, and you have to stand up. And at the six p.m. like in the evening of every day, they play like the national hymn. And you're supposed to stand still in the street, like when you are outside the buildings. You supposed to do that. Do If you are inside, do, you are fine. Do cars stop? No, the cars don't stop. So the luckily, it's fine. <laughs> okay. But but like people on the street, they really have to stand still. And if you walk, people will look at you and think that like, okay, so what is this? Um, are you like hating your nation? Are you being like, unless you're, but if you're an expat or white. They, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. a different thing. But yeah. also, they do actually sometimes. Oh, they really? They, like they did. Like there are cases of the people did walk to the, like expats or something, and say like, yeah, you know, you should supposed to stand still when national hymn mm. comes, and then, and it kind of prevents because like there are also let's say quote unquote you know like kind of nice progressive white people in in Thailand like you know they live there and they kind of feel like they want to push like a progressive. Urge, which is kind yeah. of nice um like not completely correct but at least nice that they push it because like as a sort of like white tourist like the the things you say kind of have the weight of being you know like sort of like more important not more important but like you know like let's say you know universal fact of that like you know white people are privileged in yeah. a way so like the things that they say out If they would be able to pave the way for the progressive ties to join and to help to create a change, then why not? Because mm. like I, yeah, like even this, they impose this sort of like the Thai rules, Thai things on the mm. white people there too. So that's kind of pretty crazy. And so I kind of want to leave. And then I arrive in Germany, and and then I realize that everybody's doing the same to me. It's like, oh my god, oh you're Thai, oh cool, I'm been to Thailand, it's amazing. Um, <laughs> I love Bangkok. People are so progressive. It's amazing. I want to go there. I want to leave them. Like you're cool, and they're like, yeah. Um, and they're kind of like interviewing me for three hours of like, oh, it's so cool to be Thai. Oh my god. Um, And like, um, can you tell me something about Thailand? And I'm like, um, yeah, but I'm from Thailand. But like, um, I'm not just a Thai person. No, like I make movies too. You want to know about movies? Um, can we talk about movies too? No, I like I don't know. And <laughs> I'm a human. <laughs> yeah, I'm a human. And so anyway, um, but yeah. So but like, okay, going back to the the question of like you know really discovering myself. Um, yeah, I do because like. Not just because of sort of this, like you know, like 
color, skin color notion or the, you know, race, but also like, mm, <clears throat> there's this thing about like coming from, say in a way, like uh, I really want to say something loud about Bangkok is that like, Bangkok is kind of, people think it's multicultural, but it's like when you look for on the street, it might be multicultural, but in the, the forming of a certain society yeah. groups it's not that multicultural that like basically tourists stay with tourists thai stay with thai mm. and thai don't hang out with filipino or no with cambodians mm. and so like it was always this sort of like homogenous society yeah. and so like i kind of always you know stay with the same group with the thai people whatever and when i moved to europe it's kind of i confront the fact that there are so many types of people here that i do need to not just learn but also like understand more about myself and how should I clarify myself what I am and so it's good um yeah it's really so you you say that Berlin within societal structures things are more enmeshed it's it's a mesh yeah like messy mesh but I think the problem with Berlin not a problem but like I think like in the younger generations or like you know artists and cultural scenes so it's kind of well mixed Although we would love to see more like people of colors in the scene. Yeah. In the end of the day, but like there's this, at least this thing about the like, European Union of like, there are people from many countries who have like different sort of like, and then we understand the nuances of the whites of like, let's say white people from, would you say like Georgians are the same privileged white as Germans? No. Yeah, no. And so there, there is like a lot of nuances in this mix of, like, although it's not completely colorful, but it's still well mixed. And so I kind of enjoy this free form of, you know, like, and also like, you know, the situation on the street or in the bar or in a club that people just, yo, um, here's a beer, who are you? Blah. And then it's going to go bad or go good. I don't know. But at <laughs> least there's a sort of conversation. Yeah. And I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. It's a crazy city. Yeah. But you know, it's not a city for everybody and I do understand that, you know, when people want to leave or didn't have to leave because of their mental breakdown or because of the crystal meth addiction or I don't know what, or for, because of love. And, and so you've been here since? Yeah, like 2014. Okay. So like kind of like five years and yeah, it will be a while. I, I look forward for my citizenship, but I don't know when I will get it, but I really need it. So I, I want like you know, a passport and then so they can work in a different place. You want to stay in Berlin? I want to keep it as my kind of home because I feel much more like home here more than in Bangkok. Yeah. So like at one point, yeah, I want to have like my place where I proper live and kind of keep it as like, yeah, home to come back to return. But I might work somewhere in Europe or I don't know, to shoot somewhere else in the world. It's like this big world to explore, Yeah. but kind of keep Berlin as my base. So I guess I'm curious, you want to talk a bit about like the films that you make, the process, I was quickly looking through it. So yeah, so I just shot like my, let's say maybe possibly the best shot I have made. Really? Um, but it's like from in last January, and now I'm doing like a post-production for it. Um, so I hope I can save some money and push this post-production through. So basically it's about... You do, do, you, do you hire out for your post-production? You, you do it yourself, I right? hire out people. Oh, you do? Yeah, so, you, so you don't edit your own films? I edit it, but I want the, I want the sound mixers mm. and sound design and mm. color grader. Mm. So I, I'm hiring out people. I found the people, yeah. So now I'm just like kind of giving them something first, but I'm like, I'm going to pay you back in the end of the year or something. But yeah, and it's, I hope that it will finish soon. And at one point people can watch it and kind of, yeah, kind of knowing that like, yeah, this is me because it's actually something that reflects a lot about who I am. And can I you tell, talk a little about what it is about or no. Yeah, I can. I mean, it's, it's basically, it's called my body uh -huh. and it's, Actually, so I have very obsession with Yukio Mishima, uh, like a Japanese writer who mm -hmm. killed himself or something. But he he's kind of like sort of like a homoerotic 
writer who also have a homoerotic side in his life. Um, we don't know why he killed himself. Is it because of internalized homophobia in himself? Because he, he's attractively drawn to men, but he's married to women. When was this? When when did he? Uh, wow, well, like woo, um, like nineteen fifties or sixties ish. So yeah, Mishima, and I love his work so much. I have read every hour of his works, and there's this movie and the only short movie that he did is called Patriotism, which made from his short story called Patriotism, and it's something that is really interests me. Like, I mean, I can't spoil that because it's not my movie. So it's basically about a guy who is about a, like the night that the government is overthrown. And the guy, the main character, he's like a soldier to the government. The government is overthrown. The new government comes in. He decides to kill himself because he doesn't want to serve the new government. So mm. he asks his wife to assist him to kill himself and ask her if she wants to die with him. And she's like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And so, yeah, that's it. Um, they just kill themselves. With a knife or? Um, yeah, the, the guy kill himself with a sword and the wife kill herself with a knife, okay. but on different positions. So actually like the guy killed by the Supoku, the, yeah, yeah. the Japanese male thing and the wife, it seems like because they don't have, I mean, Nin can say better than me, but so far as I have read or something like, it's not like a Supoku, it's not a tradition for women hmm. or something. I don't know, but in this story, basically she didn't Supoku herself, but she, his wife slit her throat. Hmm. Hmm. And I think, for me, these two positions on the body says a lot about things. And that's kind of, and then I made this short story, which kind of based on my suicidal thoughts. And I changed the whole thing about like, instead of talking about being patriotic to the nation, it's about being patriotic or belief in life. And it's related to my suicidal background. And yeah, and instead of having like women next to this, main character, I don't have that women as a body. But yeah, so it basically I I name it like my body and it is one of my craziest um, attempt to try to do something. So I got really deep into my psychological dark background just to get some script out of it. And I don't know what people think, but like a lot of these words that I put in characters or how I put in movies are really true to me and so yeah so it's yeah um at one point it's gonna come out so you can check out my website for some screenshot and things and but yeah i hope that this will bring me somewhere and apart from that if nothing's work i'm just losing hope in humanity and apart from that um yeah i am considering about like to this like the project that i you know kind of work for thai community here it's like a weird re-establishing my link back to Thailand in a weird sense of like I always kind of feel like I'm running away from being Thai or Thailand which is like okay because I'm more than that but it's always in a very negation way of like I don't want to be that mm. and by going back to this like establishing this community project and I got to do like Thai Film Festival Berlin or joining parts in like some exhibitions relate to Thai issue or something. And I slowly embrace that maybe I should do also a feature film in Thailand. So I'm kind of in a planning for it now of like applying for research funding yeah. to do something there. So it's going to be cool as I look forward how I gonna sort of overcome this reverse culture shock once I need to sit there. Yeah. And the, and the title of the film that you are about to release, what was that called again? Uh, My Body. Your Body. Yeah. So one thing that I didn't realize, because I had asked you, before I went on your Instagram, I had asked you if, if I could film you, and then you said you don't let your body, you don't let yourself be filmed easily. And then I went on your Instagram, and you had quite a long post about it. So I was curious, what is your relationship of your body in relationship to the film, to, to being filmed or phot photographed? Exactly. Um, well, that's a good then, question, yeah. And then, but then you just released a film about, I'm assuming when you say it's your body that you're also in that film, right? No. Oh, you're not? Yeah. Oh, yes, you filmed actors playing yeah. the part. Okay. But he literally played, like, I would say me. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the woman, there's no woman. 
Or there is a woman figure in, in that film, but it's like, in a way, like I want her to disappear so that she gives the, the presence of her absence. Okay. Like she is there, but in his mind. But, um, well, yeah, um, but basically I, I kind of have this, like I, I do know and I do want to embrace, you know, the, the notion of beauty and anything like, you know, in the end we are all beautiful, but on one point I know that I am pretty kind of, I don't know, like beautiful and sexy as a lot of people put it, but like, I mean, I, I don't be humble. Don't be, you can be, I, you know, let it out. I don't know at one point, but you know, like, I mean, I get naked and people get erections. So at some point, yeah, I mean, it maybe can be like that, but, um, I always feel like I really want to follow my sort of personal belief that like I'm trying really hard to deconstruct my notion, let's say my perception of beauty or sort of deconstruct this sort of like, you know, the worshipping the beauty things or something. Like I kind of against that for, I don't impose it on other people, but yeah. I personally against like when I see something so beautiful, I become so skeptical about it. Mm. That's kind of why I feel like I should put this philosophy also into my real life of like when I want to be like the object of beauty for someone else, um, I need to make sure that I'm not the object of beauty, but I'm like more like the object of something else. So let's mm. say, you know, if they want to like, like, okay, talk about like visibility of like Asian queer people or like androgynous people for mm. political reasons. And if they not done like kind of overly aestheticize me, then like, sure, why not? But when it's about like, you know, a fashion or something that is like too much, then I feel like apart from some necessary formal pictures that I need for my application, <laughs> but um, I tend to be really careful about this because I, and it sounds pretentious. Yeah. Cause like, let's say in, in real life, like not everybody is complete super sexy or attractive and it sounds like i'm like the most attractive bitch in the room that i'm just gonna say no but um but yeah that's exactly why i don't want to take it for granted yeah and i it's a weird thing as i i also wish that one day i will meet like it's a weird weird feeling but i wish that i will meet like people who are blind to my beauty and want to know the real thing or even to embrace the real shit underneath this you know beautiful body i don't know do you think that reaction also is this idea of germans exotifying you as a thai person do you mm. or do you think this also happens when you're in thailand no it doesn't happen when when i lived in thailand though maybe because i express myself differently like i I was not capable of expressing my whatever, like not beauty, but you know, sort of, you know, self-expression, yeah. like who I am back there. So maybe it's also that, but also like in, in Thai context, I'm too much. I am just too extreme in, in a sense of like expressing, even I didn't express that much. So in here, like, yeah, I mean, they exercise as fuck, but also like, I think it's just a general thing about this world of like, you know, not just exercising, but like, it's kind of a weird thing of like, um, why should we kind of be afraid of it? Yet at the same time, I feel like, yeah, we should just be conscious. Yeah. I don't know what's the point, but yeah. Yeah. And more recently, you hosted an event mm. about Asian masculinity. I was curious how you got into that, what you thought about the whole experience. I... So, and just as a background, so yeah, uh, I think, was yeah. it Korean-tation? Yeah, Korean so, so, so Korean-tation is this particular group of, um, it's quite old, I believe, in yeah, Berlin. And it's years. Yeah, and it's, they host a lot of Asian events. Yeah. And I th also, I think Korean-tation is interesting because it, I don't think something like that kind of exists in the U.S. Mm. I don't yeah. know why. And it could also be that the Asian community here is so much smaller. Yeah. Because in eight in U.S. the groups are more focused, right? Yeah, so you, yeah, you'd have yeah. like Korean communities, Filipino communities, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cambodians. But here's like I don't think there's enough of each group yeah, yeah, to form exactly. an actual block. So the Koreanation is kind of like all the Asian German or yeah. ex 
yeah. Pats or whatever from what or Diaspora, and yeah. they're all together. So they ho- they host events, and so yeah. there's one that they hosted a few weeks ago about Asian yeah. male uh, masculinity. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like basically, I. Yeah, I I've been following orientation for a while, although I never really kind of took like active part in it because I know well that I like I would want to, but I I don't speak German as my mother tongue. So like, and the way that orientation do is like they are also like not just hosting but also pushing the political steps yeah. of like like a proper one. Like they organize like um, they are part of the people that organize some protests and also this. Things against theater piece about the Vietnamese um, communities. Yeah, yeah. There's this piece called what, Atlas. Atlas, yeah. Yeah, and this and, this uh, director took a bunch of Vietnamese stories, yeah. and then didn't credit anyone, and then the whole theater or the whole play was cast by all white. Yeah, exactly. And characters, all, and this is also going back to what I said before about like aestheticization or exoticization of like using this. Position of like we are creating abstract arts. We are not making realist arts yeah. to excuse for something that you want to take for granted. Yeah. And yeah, but yeah. So going back to Asian masculinity. So basically, yeah. One of my friend who well connect to orientation. She wants to do this topic for a while, and she found me and Jordan, and she thinks we are kind of like a perfect couple for. <sighs> Are you, are you are you a perfect couple? Like I don't know, <laughs> but like he's like cute Canadian, but whatever. So anyway, um, and then then yeah, and so yeah, it's like why not? Um, because I, I do have personal interest in masculinity, like because I kind of like sexually, I think I'm drawn to also like like the more masculine bodies. Like doesn't matter, like let's say biologically male or biologically not male, but more like the masculine bodies, mm-hmm. and in even the more ultra masculine it is, and somehow more like let's say sexually attractive, and I trying hard to kind of deconstruct what it is going on in my mind, but also in the society, and so I've been reading a lot about like skinheads and subcultures, like the punks and things, and it's so interesting that. Like you have skinheads or the punks in, in the West Europe, where it kind of quote unquote originated from, and then it got like imported to Asia and become like something. Oh, there's a lot of skinheads in Asia. Like there are some, okay. and uh, also especially the punks. Yeah. And it's it's so interesting how this idea got imported yet transformed yet set into a new context and. How would you describe the punks in Asia or Thailand or I, wherever? I am not like expert in it, but I feel like it's it's kind of like it's weird because like I mean it's it's like like yeah I mean for sure it's no longer related to you know punk music as it sort of originated from the sense of you know the punk music and people dressed up following the fashion of mm-hmm. punk music and then it got transformed into a political thing. Yeah, and I think right now in Asia, I mean in let's say Thailand is kind of like the fashion more than the ideological political thing. Yeah. And but also the fashion only for well there are many levels. Like you know there there are like kind of like high level fashions like high 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 punks of like, you know, that it costs a lot of money. But also like the people that would call like yeah the real punks are, you know, those who might not have like economic privilege and they dress up that way regardless of how much their clothes gonna cost and you know like dye their hairs and being like the pure black sheep of society because because they don't have economic privilege so they are the black sheep anyway yeah and yo i i do enjoy it but i still don't have like the real sort of like a personal access to it but i would love to research more into that um yeah and then masculinity um yeah i mean it's kind of like I, I basically, so like after we know that we're going to host the event, then Jordan asked me to do like sort of like, you know, Facebook banner for it. And so I did, and I wanted a lot of through my mind about like, what should I put on the banner? And I, I bumped to like a Deng Xiaoping and the punks from Burma and the Korean K-pop and Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan and, and what else? And some farmers from Vietnam and Thailand. Mm-hmm. And 
kind of realized that like also when we talk with when I talk with Jordan of like how how this masculinity in Asia is always like okay masculinities like plural are always kind of negotiating between each other so you have this western imported yeah um, figures coming to that land and negotiating with the original quote unquote whatever the figures Society, are already yeah. there so you like you have this hardcore working chinese merchant or farmers who really like kind of like muscular but not like pump up like fitness or not, or not uh, western ideas of yeah masculine. not western ideas but they are still like masculine as fuck but it's not the western idea and yeah. that's why they are perceived as like you know let's say the lower class with the brown skin or something yeah but still it's also some sort of a certain form of masculinity that might be toxic for some people may not be com- it's just masculinity so it's kind of like I think what a lot of people said during that event is like masculinities is sort of neither good nor bad. It's just something that is there. And the, the, the deciding point is that if it's going to have too much effect on your life and if that's, that's so, then it can be toxic. And so, yeah. And I think like, it's just, it's just this through this process of negotiation between these Western ideals and let's say the traditional, whatever Asian ideals that create sort of very, interesting yet confusing things in one person so like you know people growing up in the regional part of china and then like you have to choose like following your part of your father becoming a farmer or following part of your friends who go to beijing and trying to dress up like a new korean pop <laughs> must and and like how these two things gonna collapse within itself like i don't know and so, yeah, and it's kind of, what should I say? Like, it's good to see this because like, um, let's say in, in Europe, like the agricultural, let's say the farming culture is like, I'm, I'm not saying it's dying up, but let's say in a Western Europe, like, let's say like Germany or whatever, or France, like, like farming agriculture is kind of like, it's like, I think it's because of there are more technologies and things, but also the less interest from newer, younger generations. And, you know, like, it's basically like kind of not comparable ways they would have like a lot of agriculture back in Vietnam or Thailand. It's just like a lot. Yeah. And, you know, here there's like, it's coming, becoming less and there are more like factories. Yeah. So it's more like a factories and not like agriculture of like, you know, going in the land and yeah. growing something. Yeah. And so... And they've always also, not all of Europe has had the right land to allow for not yeah, a lot of agriculture, right? Exactly. We're only talking about maybe Portugal, Spain, Italy. Yeah, that's sub- Southern the Europe and Mediterranean, yeah. where it's like, what, yeah. what can you grow in Germany? Yeah, the potatoes. Exactly. <laughs> but it's also like, but it's in the end of the day, in the end of the day, you know, like, I think like these things always kind of, like, we call it Asian masculinities, but in the end, like, you know, it may be universal in a sense of like, you know, in every country that, is facing or undergo through a change of what is called like modernization, economic modernization or building up nation's strength in becoming like the driving force, becoming like the industrial land. Um, yeah. It needs to sort of, yeah, undergo this and the nations that already have done it, like Germany or France or something, you might see less of this process of negotiation between different notions of like masculinities or like you know the family issues and things like sure there are toxic masculinities and things everywhere but it's about like the tension of this deciding factors is this there or is like not and so yeah but it's it's also very contextual you know like i mean because i think like it's like in the end of the day, like, you know, Asian is a big country, uh, like being a big continent. Yeah. And so like when you talk about like the new, like a Korean pop figure or something, which is kind of very a weird hybrid between itself and the American culture, then we are talking about like influences from America on Asia. Yeah. Yeah. In Hong Kong, in South Korea, in... And, but uh, also the K-pop is also interesting because it's like this manufactured idea of almost feminizing the men yeah 
but that stands also in stark contrast to like the actual male culture in Korea. I think it's um I think it's like it's more like in the end of the day I think the, um, they have this thing called like they they used to call the cinema in America they call it the fabric um factory. No, no, not the fabric like this um, um fabric is a German word for factories. Yeah, factories, factories of dreams. Yeah. Um tram fabric. Yeah, the tram fabric. So the factory of dreams and I think like this Korean, when you talk, especially about case of K-pop, it's more like the fulfillment of younger generations' dream. Like I'm not saying that they are dreaming to be this, but they set like a certain picture what you can dream to be mm. or what you feel like you can be. But it's just a dream, and you cannot be like this forever. So that's why a lot of, I mean, basically every K-pop band gonna die out at some point because when they get too old or they reach the point of like having families and then. They going back to the old sort of like you know the like businessman drinking, yeah, yeah. going through proper business and something, and they quit their job of being the figure of dreams of a new generation, and then the new people come. Yeah, and so I think it's in the end just sort of the fulfillment of a new yeah generation of yeah. what they want to be, yeah. and it also forming from this possibly this yeah like a very. I don't know. Like, I mean, I kind of don't want to generalize Asia, but like, let's say, you know, it's this sort of like the collective culture and uh, the culture that love to follow a certain thing. Of like, like not enough individuality, stress, yeah. and I think that's why this figure of like you know, like the idols works like perfectly here, and now you see, and that's why we know that. Even you know, like the, now, there's a new analysis about the king of Thailand that he, like whatever, he's crazy, but whatever, but like he have a new media team who work on his the king of Thailand. Yeah, the new the new king, the king right now. So basically, people know about his whatever thing, but he have a new media team who try to modernize mm. his his image. His image. Yeah. So he need to change his sort of propagandistic media thing from the old style where his father used to use as um, his father always present through the media as like you know like use ox machina like the god falling from the sky go to the farm and suddenly there are things growing up yeah and um, but like in this modern time i think like he kind of needs to become sort of like we are one with the people i am cool i can dress up with my normal t-shirt yeah. and i can go with my jeans and things and these are all about like, yeah, the media, but also like how the modern medias, through a certain way of perception, you know, use can be used as a, some sort of like the tools to control people's mind. And I'm not saying like K-pop sense and the new thing of Thailand is the same, but I'm I'm talking about <laughs> in a yeah. sense of like how things change. Yeah. And you know, the media, the media, and and how people have information. To be able to sort of like yeah, using this collective follow the herd thing to reach a certain goal, which I don't know. But yeah, it is it's fun. It's fun to kind of think about it. And it seems like some people have interest in it. And so, yeah, it was a kind of a good fun workshop that people talk about things. And I hope that people have good time. And I think I'm going to try to research more into it too. Yeah. Um, I was, I mean... I was able to briefly attend and the thing that I thought was, I wish was we were broken up in different groups, but yeah. the groups weren't talking to each other. Yeah. And so I think each group had a different experience yeah. and also different dynamic. Yeah, sure. And so... You would love to know more about other groups. Yeah, well, Definitely. I mean, cause, yeah, because yeah, also yeah. my group, like, because I was paired with... Uh, Vicky. Vicky and Tao. Yeah, and Sam. And Sam. Yeah. And so, like, that was a very particular dynamic. Uh, and then there are other groups that was, like, all men and, like, some were really loud. Yeah. And I felt, yeah, I mean, and then also I felt it was, what I wish was there there would have been, like, a conversation that people could listen to because mm. I felt put in those groups with people you don't know, not everyone is on the same page, right? And so I think there's a lot of learning, explaining mm. that I think... If you're in charge of the event, having mm. two people 
talk on stage mm. with a cue and answer so that everyone can at least at some point be brought onto the same page. Mm. Right. So like yeah. what is masculinity? What is Asian masculinity? Mm. Is there a difference? Yeah. I felt like some of the discussions, like people weren't even thinking what that means, mm. you know? And sure. You know, just sort of like when people throw out big terms like capitalism, Marxism, mm. feminism, it's like mm. just putting that in a sentence is kind of confusing because you don't know what their definition of such a broad term mm. is. Yeah, sure. You know, with it's it depends. Like, I mean, fair and thank you for your feedback. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I've been also thinking about this, but like me and Jordan decide that we don't want to put people on the same page. Okay. It's a weird decision, but kind of like, I don't know, like it, it is in a way that we want to, the people to figure out what page they want to be on. Yeah. But we know well that like the bad side of this decision is that like it's going to take a little bit time for people in the group first to set themselves yeah. on the same page. Yeah. But like in the end, like the point of that day that we want to, made was not that we want to talk about like the real concrete details of like what is Asian masculinity but we want more the people to explore what can be Asian masculinity yeah. and that's why we didn't want to put people on the same page because yeah. then people will start to use our notion and dig deeper into it rather yeah. than exploring what can it be else for themselves yeah yeah and I, I don't know did it work but I hopefully that people figure out that like there are many aspects in this and i think it's kind of because like me and jordan we're also from different things like jordan is like um like chinese boy in, in canada canadian, canadian chinese yeah, born. Yeah. and i'm like thai thai born yeah so um and so like we see asian masculinities in really a different, different yeah yeah and actually before the workshop started you know we met like several times and we always have this because jordan c is more like as some sort of like contextual in a sense of like because he has his family or he used to live in like a Chinatown or something so it's from like from the people around him from the social context that he is in yeah. that the Asian masculinity affected him yeah. whereas I see it as a geographical and so I was my interest was initially was about like how would it affect people in Europe because Europe is not Asia but Jordan was kind of more like how it's affected Europe through Asian people. Mm. Like we have different kind of views on this. Yeah. And that's why I'm just like, you know, let people figure out for themselves. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of still stuck with my, not stuck, but I still, I do believe that like, you know, quote unquote, people of Asia, quote unquote, is what Asia, whatever it is, um, going to bring a certain cultural patterns and, you know, like the culture, wherever they go. And it's like, simple theory of diaspora yeah uh, and then you're gonna hybridize and negotiate whatever you do yeah. still um but what the thing that i realized that i found interesting i didn't i mean i didn't really think about it it was just like living in america born there and then also thinking about masculinity the only masculinity that i'm sure i can kind of see and define is a western one because mm. i grew up there mm. and the way information is spread is through film and so is also mm. informed by Hollywood's notions mm. of masculinity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that's, that was like, yeah, and then I was like, I don't, not entirely sure what even like Chinese masculinity is. Yeah. Right? Because sure. I can only see it from the lens of like, maybe my dad. Yeah, but then, and then also like, there isn't like a mass information being spread about like China making films about male masculinity, the yeah, same exactly. way that Western is. Exactly. So I don't even have That's a notion. That's what I'm going to say, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's, in a way, weirdly, when we talk about media, it's just a fact that it's initially, sadly, about the Western media, about yeah. like how this Western notion spread into different cultures or contexts and transform into something that fits that context. Almost like, almost like you know, how religion adapt to yeah. the context. Guess like you know, even in Asia, where people uh, might grew up watching something else, you know, it's the same, and um, and so, and it comes with moderni modernization of how would you define yourself being like a modernized man? Yeah, and 
supposedly that you should follow like Western American patterns of yeah. how to be a modernized man. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's always like this, and it's like you know, it's a lot with colonialism and a lot of things, and like. There was like a recently I'm digging back into like Thai literature again and and there was like one of the old piece from like 600 years ago like a poem epic poem whatever and it's basically a piece wrote according to a few researchers against um colonialism in Indochina and this was is written in Thailand yeah like it was written in Thai language okay. Yeah. But like back in the time was like the kingdom of Siam mm -hmm. was consisted of like Cambodia, part of Vietnam, part of Burma, part of uh, Malaysia. Yeah. It's like a kind of very big chunk of thing. Yeah. But like the difference is that like back in the time they didn't have like the clear notion of borders. So yeah. although you said that like Siam was so big, but in that time the formation was not that like, oh, this is a big country. But it was like, you know, like a different town living together yeah. under the same king. That's yeah. It. Like, you know, the, how you call it, the... Well, people could just travel from town to town. Yeah, exactly. And they don't kind of need to pass a border and kind of like... Or have themselves. a passport. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so there was this piece and basically the uh, main character is the brother. One of them is... The, the older brother decided to learn music and the younger brother learned the, the arts of war and fighting. And... I'm not gonna go towards the story, but the point is that like it was written yeah during this colonization time, but also you know colonization colonialism came with the process of modernizing the the nation yeah, and that's a time where people start to realize about like what it feels or what it means to be like a modern man, and so back in the times before you know like we people call us like barbaric because like when you are the son of the king, you're supposed to learn the art of fighting. Like you, you know, you are like mm. the man, like macho. Like, yeah. Psh, 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 psh. But lead when... Ar lead armies. Yeah, leading armies and things. But you also need to be like, you know, literate, like reading books and something. But it's really about fighting and things. But when that time came, there was this like, you know, learning music, learning literature. Like somehow the main figure decided to learn to be like, you know, this like renaissance. Yeah figure like something so western all suddenly out of nowhere and i think it's a it's a weird not weird but like kind of interesting way how they set it into this like two figures of like a brother or like one is one learned about music and don't know shit about how to fight and how they see if they won the war or not and yeah i don't know where i'm going but you know just talking about the change that it happened for a long time ago, like 500, 600 years, about yeah. how people going to see the different things about what should a man be. Like even the son of the king, who is supposed to be like the representation of yeah. the masculinity that people are supposed to follow. Yeah. And so, yeah. What else? Um, well, we talked lot. about a lot. Yeah. Well, so. thank you, son. Yeah. Where can uh, people find you? Um. Do you want people in, to find you? In India, yeah, I mean, in Berlin, on my website, um, if you are interested in, like, I don't know, in me or, like, my stories or something, like, yeah, like, drop me a line, check my website, and then when you come to Berlin, you know, or something, just write me email. I'm, I'm around Berlin for a long time. I won't, like, move anywhere soon. Okay. And, yeah, and I'm kind of muddling with, like, filmmaker scene here and... If you will join like some Thai related events here, you might also bump to me because I'm organizing a lot, like Thai Film Festival Berlin or something. Yeah. Yeah. Is it when's the next Thai Film Festival Berlin? Like there are there are some screening this year, like six screening or so. There are like twenty fourth of July, fourteenth of August. That's, that's coming up. Yeah. Okay. And also in October, and next year we're gonna do like a really big thing. So, yeah, and I am excited if it's going to happen, yeah. All right. So. Thank you, son. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, thank you for letting me talk and having some sort of feeling myself a little bit useful to the society. <laughs> Voila! Thank you so much. Oh.
Seeing Color is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Ziyuan Chung. Original music by Alex Chow. You can find more information on the website, www.seeingcolorpod.com, or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Seeing Color Pod. If you enjoyed this show, please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and give Seeing Color a five star review. This really helps others discover the show and provides greater visibility for everyone on Seeing Color. Again, thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now.